You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. Hi. Well, Merry Christmas. It's good being with you guys. Man, was that fun seeing those guys. Let's give them a big round of applause. Yeah. Yeah, great being with you guys. You know, it reminds me, uh, years ago, I was on a youth trip, and I was out in Pamplona, Spain. I was speaking to this uh, group of uh, youth folks, guys and girls, and I knew that the area, there was a lot of shepherds and, and sheep. And so I asked the youth director, I said, would it be okay? I know this is a long shot, it's last minute, but do you think you could find a shepherd um, and there was only a couple places over there, like Germany and Spain, that had these massive shepherd schools. And he said, in fact, I probably know some folks, but let me see what I can do. I said, great, I'm teaching on the good shepherd tomorrow, Jesus being the good shepherd, and I'd love to be able to be able to have some sheep there. So sure enough, the next morning, I show up and I start teaching. Nothing was there. Nobody was there. No sheep, no shepherd. And I'm like, just my luck, Lord. This is a bummer. The kids were all excited. I already told kids that we're probably going to have sheep and shepherd. And everybody did. They're like, the, oh, man. And then right when I was teaching about uh, Jesus and the good shepherd, literally, I looked over the hill. The kids couldn't see him. And I see a shepherd coming. And then I see a dog coming. And then I see hundreds of sheep. <laughs> And I just couldn't say anything. And the kids thought I was so into the message. I was just like, and then, and then all of a sudden they look up and they're, ah, there's sheep everywhere. And it was so cool. But you know what is different about what we have tonight? These sheep are actually nice. Those sheep were kicking and biting. They were mean. These sheep are 4-H sheep. They're in the state fair. So ladies and gentlemen, you have some famous sheep here tonight. You have some very famous sheep. Well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to jump into God's word. We're going to look at the historical event of Jesus Christ being born, the story uh, that Luke records. He's a historian, by the way. He's a doctor. He's like the Indiana Jones of the New Testament. He's writing and recording history. And he writes this, verse 8, in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. In verse 9, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled, help me out, with great what? They were afraid. Why were they afraid? They weren't afraid of their sheep. They were afraid of this supernatural occurrence, this angel. Verse 10, an angel said to them, uh, fear not. So immediately the angel sees the shepherds are freaked out. Um, They're screaming and yelling like you saw out there. Uh, uh, Fear not, behold, this is what the angel says, behold, I bring you good news of great joy that'll be for all, help me out, all the what? The people, all the people. See, all throughout the Bible, I don't know if you know this or not, but when we read about angels, um, they are sent by God from heaven to earth to be ministers and messengers. This angel, probably the angel Gabriel is who it is. According to Luke chapter 1, verse 31, he's the angel that names Jesus. Um, It's probably him. He's got a special message. Good news is what the scripture says. So they're ministers and they're messengers. And it's for all the people, this, this good news is. And what I find interesting is this news, this angelic announcement, it doesn't come... Uh, to the philosophers in Athens. 
It doesn't come to the general of the armies. This angelic announcement about the birth of Jesus Christ doesn't come to the powerful gladiators of Rome. It doesn't come to the emperor in the palace. The news doesn't come to the politicians or the priest. But this news, the news flash of a savior being born comes to the ordinary, the simple, the shepherd. It's pretty amazing to me to see that, that God chose to bring this news first to the shepherds. Verse 11 says, here's what the news is, is for unto you is born this day uh, in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. I want to pause for a moment and remind you of who this person is, Christ the Lord. So do you know who Christ the Lord is? The answer is Jesus. Yes, you're right. At church, if I ever ask you a question, just say Jesus, okay? And you'll get it right. So it's Jesus. It is. And I need you to know something about Jesus. Jesus uh, uh, was named by an angel. Pretty cool. Uh, We choose names, moms and dads, uh, the angel named Jesus. Um, Jesus was uh, 100% God, and he's 100% man. Let me tell you about Jesus. This Christ, the Lord, is 100% man and 100% God. Uh, Jesus was born in a middle-class family. He obeyed his mom and dad. He learned to read and write. He worked with his father. His dad was a carpenter. He had lots of friends. He went to parties. When he got older, he went to funerals. He went to a wedding, did a pretty cool trick at the wedding called a miracle. Um, He was happy. He got sad. He got stressed, so stressed. The Bible says he sweat droplets of blood. Um, He laughed. He cried. He loved children. He loved his mom. He loved his friends. He loved the down and out. And he loved the up and in, and he loved the whole world, and he loves you. Uh, He's not only man, he is God. See, his dad is God the Father, his mom was the Virgin Mary, and all the details of his birth, and his death, and his burial, and his resurrection were all predicted hundreds of years before he ever uh, was born in that little manger in Bethlehem. Uh, 700 years before uh, these predictions came forth, all the details of his life, he turned water to wine, he demonstrated power over nature by calming the storm with a single word, he healed the lame, he healed the blind, he performed miracles, he fed 5,000 with just a few pieces of bread and a few fish, his teaching drew in thousands and thousands of people. This is Jesus. Uh, He confounded the wise with his teaching, he gave grace Uh, To the humble, he forgave sinners. He predicted his death. He predicted his burial. He predicted his resurrection. This is Jesus. He's fully divine. He's God. He's omniscient, omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. He was buried and he rose again. The Bible says he sits on a throne today. He is the king and he's going to come back. See, tonight what we're doing is we're celebrating the first advent on Sunday I'm going to teach on the second advent, the second coming. We have a mighty king. He's fully human and he's fully divine and he plans to return one day and bring true law and order to our lands, to bring truth and grace and to right every wrong and to restore justice once for all. Amen? 
That's a good King Jesus that we have. So the Bible says in verse 11, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, uh, a savior who is Christ the Lord. This implies that you and I need saving, that people need saving, and he is Christ the Lord. And we all know, uh, who is this Christ the Lord? Help me out. You got it, guys. Okay, verse 12, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And this is a feeding trough. The swaddling cloths I found very interesting to myself as I studied this is there's a practical purpose uh, with these little cloths that are around the child. There's a physical and a spiritual. The practical would just be to keep this little child warm, this little guy, so he wouldn't get poked, his, his eye wouldn't get poked perhaps by the straw. They're putting him in, uh, not in a little nice little nursery, but a feeding trough. Uh, There's a physical purpose. This would keep the child's limbs straight. So the child wouldn't roll over and bend a limb or break a limb. And then there's a spiritual significance too, that this one would walk straight and live a perfect sinless life because he's Jesus. And so then in verse verse 12, we see that this is, uh, the details are all predicted. He's, they've got a sign. The shepherds have a sign. They have a vision for what it's going to look like if they decide to go to Bethlehem and go check this thing out. Verse 13, it says, and suddenly there was with the angel, and a, so angel Gabriel gets a multitude, that's a, a bucket load, more than a bucket load, a massive sea, an army, a mass, a stadiums filled if you could imagine that, of angelic, supernatural light occurring in the sky. Pretty powerful. Now, they're not afraid anymore. Now these shepherds are excited. A multitude of heavenly hosts are praising God and saying, verse 14, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. I want to pause just for a moment and talk to you about this peace that's going on here. This is a peace that Caesar Augustus uh, uh, couldn't even be in the same uh, uh, arena with. Uh, Caesar Augustus was uh, the emperor of Rome at the time. He was an organizational genius, and he brought peace, if you will, to Rome, and everybody liked the idea to be a Roman citizen would bring about some peace and protection for some, not for all. Uh, He was a powerful military leader. He was greatly feared, and he goes down in history as a powerful, fearful man along the lines of Adolf Hitler and Napoleon. Um, But yet... Uh, on inscriptions of coins and different Roman artifacts, there was this inscription. They called him the savior of the world who brings peace. And the angels say, no, no, no. Christ the Lord, he's going to bring peace. See, uh, what uh, Caesar Augustus did do is that he ended 100 years of civil war within the Roman Empire. He achieved about 40 years, 40, 40 years of internal peace overall. There's still skirmishes, still battles, still stuff going on. But he had a vision of the Roman Empire being far more than a collection of countries. Instead, it was a diverse society, an enormous marketplace in which people across Europe, North Africa, and the Middle East could trade and travel under Rome's protection. But there's a greater king that's been born. His name is Jesus. And the prophet Isaiah said 700 years before it ever took place that this child that would be born, his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and help me out, the Prince of Peace. And then the prophet goes on to say, and of the increase of his government and end, there will be 
peace that will be everlasting, that will have no end. Jesus offers you and me a peace that you can have peace with yourself. So if some of you are not at peace with yourself, Jesus will bring you a peace to yourself, and then you can have peace with God. And the Bible says is that when you receive Jesus Christ, you can have peace everlasting. This is a new kind of peace. This isn't the kind of peace that Caesar could offer. It says in verse 15, when the angels went away uh, from them in heaven, uh, when the shepherds said to one another, let's go over to Bethlehem and see that this thing has happened, which the Lord, not just the angel, they see it's from the Lord, has made known to us. Notice that they are going to this place called Bethlehem. This story of Christmas isn't a fairy tale. It's not a myth. It's, a, it's not a legend. It's a historical event with a historical place and a historical person. Bethlehem is a real city. Jesus wasn't born in Neverland. He was not born in a galaxy far, far away. Although if you uh, saw when you came in, you saw those green lightsabers reeling you into the parking lot, you probably thought, is that Luke Skywalker? Um, but Jesus was not born in a galaxy far, far away. He was not born in Narnia, nor Middle Earth, definitely not Whoville. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. It was his hometown. It was the hometown of his father, Joseph. It was predicted by the prophet Micah 500 years earlier, just five miles south of Jerusalem, 90 miles of, from uh, Nazareth, and it's about 7,451 miles from Phoenix. You could hop on a plane and be there in about 16 to 20 hours, depending on which air, uh, air carrier you took. Jesus was born in a real place, and that's Bethlehem. So I'm trying to prove that Jesus really existed. I want you to know that he's really God, and that he's really human, too. He's a historical person, and he changed our timeline on how we see the whole world. All of civilization refers and connects back to that birth of Jesus Christ. In verse 16, it says, here's what we find out what happens, and they went. And it says, with haste. In other words, they got moving. They were excited about this. They went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph, and ta-da, the baby lying in a manger. I bet the shepherds were like, that's what the angel said. That's what the angel said. There's a baby. Because, I mean, there had to be a lot of babies there. But no babies laying in a manger, but that baby was, because it was already predicted. This is, this is just as the, uh, the, the, the angel had predicted. This is exactly what they thought would happen, and it did. Verse 17, and when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. They were excited. They were thrilled. I imagine that there's children and teenagers and uh, part of the shepherd crew, and they're telling their friends they're not afraid. And they go on in verse 18, and it says, here's the result, or verse 17, and when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child, verse 18, and when all who heard it wondered at what the shepherd told them, all who heard it wondered, that word means that they were amazed and astonished. And I bet some people, when they're hearing these shepherds tell them about this miraculous birth, this supernatural angelic encounter, probably some people are, are believing it right on the spot. Man, that's amazing. I saw some big light in the sky too. 
I'd heard rumors about this, Messiah to be born. I'd read prophecies about this. And then other people are like astonished, wondered, like, mm, doubt it. I'll have to see it to believe it. I don't know how long Bethlehem was open, but I know a lot of people did come. The Bible says is that people came from the east, the wise men. So these shepherds, they show up, then they go out, and they're pumped, and they're excited. Verse 19, it says, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. She had what I call the mama glow. When you have a baby, and you see those young moms are walking around, they have no clue how hard it's really going to be. They just glow. And then I see the teenager moms over there, they, they lost their glow. They got a scowl. They're like, it's hard, mama. But Mary's got the mama glow. She's excited, thrilled. Verse 20, and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard as it had been told them. This is a picture of them worshiping. Three things that I want you to walk away with. Number one is I want to challenge you tonight to walk in faith, not in fear. Put your your feet into the shoes of a shepherd for a moment. You got to pick in life too what you want to be. I mean, the Bible says we're like sheep, but also the Bible tells us that Christians, when they grow, they become like shepherds. So you want to choose what you want to be. You want to be a sheep, follow the herd. You want to be a shepherd and lead the herd. You're going to be a wolf and take people down. You should be a shepherd. I want to challenge you to put your Feet in the shoes of a shepherd tonight. If you've got kids, you're a shepherd. If you're an employer, you're a shepherd. If you're an employee that oversees other people, you're, you're a shepherd, ladies and gentlemen. If you've got influence with other people that are younger than you, you're a shepherd. So I want to challenge you, be like a shepherd, walk in faith, not in fear. The Bible said, we just read it, when the angels uh, uh, went away, the shepherds said to one another, let's go. Let's go. I, I'm not afraid. One angel, one shepherd probably said, I'm not afraid. And one, one shepherd's probably like, man, but if we leave these sheep, we're going to be in so much trouble. You know, this family business is all we got. No, we're going. We're going to Bethlehem. Let's go. They're not afraid. They go. They probably would have been rejected. People would have scoffed. You're just a shepherd. What are you talking about? This news of a child being born, a savior, Christ the Lord. But they walk in faith, not in fear. You know, uh, walking in the Bible is a major biblical metaphor. It's mentioned some 1,500 different times in the Old Testament alone. It means when you walk with God, it means that you're going to live a life that's pleasing to God. And you and me, friends, we're called to walk in faith, not in fear. It's okay to be afraid, but it's not okay to live in fear. Amen? And so what characterizes the Christian life, the life of a believer, is that you walk before God. God spoke to Abraham and said, I am God Almighty, you walk before me. God spoke through the apostle John and says, walk in the light, just as God's, Jesus is in the light. God spoke through the apostle Paul when he said, look carefully then how you walk, not as the unwise, but as the wise. And so here we go. We've learned in scripture, we've learned from the shepherds that we need to walk in faith, not in fear. So here's a question for you is, what fears are you facing? Maybe the doctor's called and you got a prognosis that just isn't good. You're afraid. Maybe at home, you're trying to do your best, but you fear burnout because you and your spouse aren't firing on all cylinders and you don't know how long you can take it. Maybe... uh, 
at work, you've got a ton of pressure and you're afraid you're just not going to meet any of those deadlines, those goals, maybe those own expectations you have on yourself and you're afraid. Maybe the news is on and there's not any good news on. There's a pandemic and politics that continue to disrupt our way of life and there's a legitimate fear and concern and you're afraid. Uh, Maybe for you, it's far worse. Maybe you're afraid that you're just too far gone. You're too messed up. You could never be loved or accepted by God. Well, I've got news for you tonight, ladies and gentlemen, that God loves you. He doesn't just love Christians. He loves you individually. He knows you. He's been there with you. He formed you, fashioned you in your mother's womb. He has the power to love individually every person on the planet. God loves you. He sent his son for you. And ladies and gentlemen, especially you moms and dads, Christmas is for you. It's for you too. It's not just for the kids and the presents under the tree. So I'm telling you tonight, put your feet in the shoes of the shepherd, walk in faith, not in fear. It's okay to be afraid, but don't you ever live in fear. You could, you go, you're going to have to trust God. If you ever want to overcome your fear, start living by faith. Here's a good acrostic to remember faith. I like to say this forever, always, I trust him. I'm going to say it again. Forever, always, I trust him. Forever, always, I trust him. Forever, always, I trust him. Let's say that together. Forever, always, I trust him. Amen? That's faith. Forever, always, I trust him. Number two, I challenge you as witness and help change the world. A lot of people are afraid to share uh, their faith today. Those of you that are believers in Jesus Christ, this is crucial for you. This is what the shepherds did. They find out the news and they go share. They made it known. They let people know. They probably went to their family. They probably went to their friends and say, you got you to hear what happened to us. We were out working in the middle of the night. Angel appeared. There's good news. It's for all people. It's a peace. It's bigger than Caesar's peace. It's better than Rome's peace. It's a peace that's everlasting. You got a witness to help change the world. I want to share with you just a number of different stories on how you uh, can hear what God's been doing in our church and how we're making a witnessing impact together. Uh, In our world, we desperately need Jesus Christ. And at this church, we commit to share and show the love of Christ. At North Valley, we serve and we give so that we can make sure we're making a difference. Every year about this time, we do this thing called the Hope Offering, and the Hope Offering goes to fuel and fund all of our local and global missions because we want to be a witness and share and show the love of Jesus Christ locally and globally. I'm going to share with you tonight a number of different opportunities for some of you that you may go, I want to be a part of that. Um, Number one, what we're doing and we always do is we collect uh, on uh, Christmas services. We give 100% of the proceeds to fund and fuel local and global outreach initiatives. I'll share a couple of them with you that we're excited about. Our camp is number one. Our summer camps, we're already getting ready for these. Each year, we scholarship kids so they can go and have a ton of fun and learn all about Jesus. And did you know that the statistics say that 83%, listen to this, 83% of all Christians in all places on all parts of the planet receive Jesus Christ and become Christians between the ages of four and 14. Every Christian, 83% of them becomes a Christian at the ages of four and 14. Let me ask you something. Is kids ministry and youth ministry important? It's greatly important, especially in this generation. 
And so I want to challenge you, if you want to help us send kids to camp, let's do that. Additionally, I want to just share with you about how we're witnessing and making an impact and invite you to help us. We start and strengthen churches. Uh, this coming year, we're going to be uh, getting behind Caleb and Kelly Bales. Uh, they're members of our church, and they plan to go this summer to lay the groundwork to start a new church in Scotland. We're thrilled about this. If he looks familiar, he was one of the shepherds out there. And uh, he's got a bigger beard now than in the photo, so he did real good for being the shepherd. But we're excited about them to share Jesus Christ. The vast majority of folks in Scotland don't believe anymore. That sounded more uh, bad Irish than (laughs) Scottish. Well, additionally, I want to share with you that we set aside funds as well to be a witness and see lives transformed in Mexico by sending teams down, families, uh, every spring break. Instead of going skiing, we got a lot of families that just go serve in Mexico. Here's a picture of a house um, that's pretty torn up, and that was one of the houses that we built, and uh, it was a shack. Animals and people could just run straight into there. And then we rebuilt a house right next door to that. Isn't that amazing? It'll change your life when you begin to serve the poor and the needy. It, it changes everything. And it, my, my, daughters, my, my daughters and my uh, son, they've been down there about five different times. It's been pretty amazing. Uh, here's a picture as well of the first family that we built a home for, Jose and Evelyn. They're fantastic. Uh, we built that communion table. A, fam- a guy in our church built that. We had communion with them in that home. We worshiped, and uh, I'm proud to be a part of a church, and I'm so thankful for you guys that you give and you serve so we can do this great thing called sharing and showing the love of Jesus Christ and being a witness. Uh, Additionally, we're working with the Navajo Nation. Uh, These kids are incredible, and uh, they got hit pretty hard with COVID, and we're supporting a church up there. We just sent a bunch of Christmas presents up there just the other day, loaded up the truck and sent a bunch up there. And lastly, we're working with a, an organization I'm so excited to uh, launch. It's called Fathers in the Field. And Fathers in the Field is a, a program, listen to me, uh, that identifies fatherless boys in our church and in the community, and then we provide them with a father mentor. And so on January 16th, I'm going to be commissioning men in our church that have been approved and have a vision for what biblical masculinity looks like and will empower these young boys to become the man that God has called them to be. Isn't that amazing? Can we celebrate that for a moment? I'm so proud of this ministry. I think it's, it's, I'm so proud of this ministry because it's going to help us also reach the unchurched. Did you know that the largest demographic of the unchurched in North America is single moms? They are the widow of our generation. Their children are the orphans that need a father present in their, in their life. And we're going to do that at this church. We're the first church in Arizona, to launch this ministry. We expect a lot of churches doing it too. So I know a number of you are already doing it. So I want to challenge you to give uh, tonight and make a gift of any amount so that you can help make a difference. Let's change the world just a little bit more and make a bigger difference. Um, There's four ways you can give. Um, You can check it out. 
if you're new, brand new, and you're like, I don't want to, you don't, don't. Just give if you're excited about one of those projects. 100% of what happens on our Christmas services will go uh, towards to funding those projects and more. So thank you very much for those of you that have done that already. Uh, and last, I want to challenge you, uh, we need to worship and turn some problems into praise tonight. Um, the shepherds worshiped. It didn't stop with just being a witness. They, they were worshiping. They were praising God, saying glory to God in the highest. And I know some of you have got some problems. Uh, you've got some challenges. But when you turn your problems into praise, let me tell you a promise. God will turn your battles into blessings. When you've got financial problems, uh, health problems, maybe mentally or physically, maybe you've got some serious parenting problems, you've got some marriage problems, what do you do? You take that problem and you turn it into praise. It changes things because when you turn your problems into praise, God says, I'll turn your battles into blessings. So you need to put your trust in him. You need to lift up your voice just a little bit more. Even in the storms when things are going really rough and, and wrong, you never take your eyes off of Jesus. He's with you. He loves you. Don't focus on your problem. Focus on the only person, listen to this, the only person that could actually truly, truly help you with your problem, and that is Jesus. That's the only person that can really do that for you. Have I told you lately that he loves you? He loves you. Uh, when you focus on your problem, you're never going to see the end of the battle. You're going to lose, ladies and gentlemen, if you focus on your problem. You're going to lose the battle. But when you focus on him and giving him praise, I'm going to promise you, you're always going to experience blessing. There's great joy in that. He'll be with you in your battle. He'll be with you in your struggle, in your trial. The Bible says he is Emmanuel, which means God is with us which is the peace, and he's the prince of peace. So uh, let's pray tonight. Lord, tonight I thank you that you are with us. You are Jesus. You are the reason for the season. You are our help. You are our hope. You are our peace, and you give us purpose. Lord, through you, we find unconditional love and grace. And Lord, I thank you that you're a savior. You are Christ the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for all those who are seeking you. Thank you that they do not need to seek anymore. That all those who come to you will be found. And that you offer life everlasting. And for those of you perhaps that have never prayed to receive Christ and you're not sure if you were to die tonight, if you would be in heaven or experience eternal life, I want to invite you just to pray to receive Christ silently there from your chair. I heard a story of just yesterday of somebody said, I prayed to receive Christ and I feel like God's making all things new. So I want to invite you to just pray right now for those of you that say, I I'm not sure. I, I didn't know that God would still put up with me. Here's what you pray, something simple like this, just silently right there. Lord Jesus, I acknowledge my sins to you. I believe in you, Jesus, that you can forgive my sins. I believe in Jesus that you are the Lord. And I'll confess you with my mouth. And I believe in my heart that you are the Lord. Save me. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen.
Hey, listen, for all of you who, who perhaps prayed to receive Christ, I just want to encourage you to share with a family member or a friend. And if you're not from here, get involved in a great church that teaches the Bible and talks a lot about Jesus. And that'll be a really helpful part for you. If you're in the Valley, join us on any Sunday. We'd love to have you a part. Uh, we're going to continue to worship and we're going to prepare our hearts now for communion and then close out with a couple of songs. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give today at northvalleychurch.org.